The Madness of Andelsbrutz by Lord Dunsany. I first saw the city of Andelsbrutz on an afternoon in spring. The day was full of sunshine as I came by way of the fields, and all that morning I had said, There will be sunlight on it when I see for the first time the beautiful, conquered city whose fame has so often made for me lovely dreams. Suddenly I saw its fortifications lifting out of the fields, and behind them stood its belfries. I went in by a gate and saw its houses and streets, and a great disappointment came upon me. For there is an air about a city, and it has a way with it whereby a man may recognize one from another at once. There are cities full of happiness, and cities full of pleasure, and cities full of gloom. There are cities with their faces to heaven, and some with their faces to earth. Some have a way of looking at the past, and others look at the future. Some notice you if you come among them, others glance at you, others let you go by. Some love the cities that are their neighbors, others are dear to the plains and to the heath. Some cities are bare to the wind, others have purple cloaks, and others brown cloaks, and some are clad in white. Some tell the old story of their infancy, with others it is secret. Some cities sing, and some mutter, some are angry, and some have broken hearts, and each city has her way of greeting time. I had said, I will see Andelsbrutz arrogant with her beauty, and I had said, I will see her weeping over her conquest. I had said, she will sing songs to me, and she will be reticent. She will be all robed, and she will be bare but splendid. But the windows of Andelsprutz in her houses looked vacantly over the plains, like the eyes of a dead madman. At the hour her chimes sounded unlovely and discordant, some of them were out of tune, and the bells of some were cracked, her roofs were bald and without moss. At evening no pleasant rumor arose in her streets. When the lamps were lit in the houses, no mystical flood of light stole out into the dusk. You merely saw that there were lighted lamps. Andelsbrutz had no way with her and no air about her. When the night fell and the blinds were all drawn down, then I perceived what I had not thought in the daylight. I knew then that Andelsbrutz was dead. I saw a fair-haired man who drank beer in a café, and I said to him, Why is the city of Andelsbrutz quite dead, and her soul gone hence? He answered, Cities do not have souls, and there is never any life in bricks. And I said to him, Sir, you have spoken truly. And I asked the same question of another man, and he gave me the same answer, and I thanked him for his courtesy and I saw a man of a more slender build who had black hair and channels in his cheeks for tears to run in, and I said to him, Why is Andelsbrutz quite dead, and when did her soul go hence? And he answered, Andelsbrutz hoped too much. For thirty years would she stretch out her arms toward the land of Akla every night, to mother Akla from whom she had been stolen. Every night she would be hoping and sighing and stretching out her arms to Mother Akla. 
At midnight, once a year, on the anniversary of the terrible day, Akla would send spies to lay a wreath against the walls of Andelsbrutz. She could do no more. And on this night, once in every year, I used to weep, for weeping was the mood of the city that nursed me. Every night, while other cities slept, did Andelsbrutz sit brooding here and hoping— till thirty wreaths lay mouldering by her walls, and still the armies of Akla could not come. But after she had hoped so long, and on the night that faithful spies had brought her thirtieth wreath, Andelsbrutz went suddenly mad. All the bells clanged hideously in the belfries, horses bolted in the streets, the dogs all howled, the stolid conquerors awoke and turned in their beds, and slept again and I saw the grey, shadowy form of Andelsbrutz rise up, decking her hair with the phantasms of cathedrals, and stride away from her city, and the great, shadowy form that was the soul of Andelsbrutz went away muttering to the mountains, and there I followed her, for had she not been my nurse? Yes, I went away alone into the mountains, and for three days, wrapped in a cloak, I slept in their misty solitudes. I had no food to eat, and to drink I had only the water of the mountain streams. By day no living thing was near to me, and I heard nothing but the noise of the winds and the mountain streams roaring. But for three nights I heard all round me on the mountain the sounds of a great city. I saw the lights of tall cathedral windows flash momentarily on the peaks and at times the glimmering lantern of some fortress patrol, and I saw the huge misty outline of the soul of Andelsbrutz, sitting decked with her ghostly cathedrals, speaking to herself, with her eyes fixed before her in a mad stare, telling of ancient wars. And her confused speech for all those nights upon the mountain was sometimes the voice of traffic, and then of church bells, and then of bugles. But oftenest it was the voice of red war, and it was all incoherent, and she was quite mad. The third night it rained heavily all night long, but I stayed up there to watch the soul of my native city and she still sat staring straight before her, raving. But her voice was gentler now. There were more chimes in it, an occasional song. Midnight passed, and the rain still swept down on me, and still the solitudes of the mountain were full of the mutterings of the poor mad city. And the hours after midnight came, the cold hours wherein sick men die. Suddenly I was aware of great shapes moving in the rain, and I heard the sound of voices that were not of my city, nor yet of any that I ever knew. And presently I discerned, though faintly, the souls of a great concourse of cities, all bending over Andelsbrutz and comforting her. And the ravines of the mountain roared that night with the voices of cities that had lain still for centuries for there came the soul of Camelot that had so long ago forsaken Usk, and there was Ilion, all girt with towers, still cursing the sweet face of ruinous Helen, 
I saw there Babylon and Persepolis and the bearded face of bull-like Nineveh and Athens mourning her immortal gods. All these souls of cities that were dead spoke that night on the mountain to my city and soothed her, until at last she muttered of war no longer, and her eyes stared wildly no more. But she hid her face in her hands, and for some while wept softly. At last she arose, and walking slowly, and with bended head, and leaning upon Ilion and Carthage, went mournfully eastwards, and the dust of her highway swirled behind her as she went, a ghostly dust that never turned to mud in all that drenching rain. And so the souls of the cities led her away, and gradually they disappeared from the mountain, and the ancient voices died away in the distance. Never since then have I seen my city alive, but once I met with a traveller who said that somewhere in the midst of a great desert are gathered together the souls of all dead cities. He said that he was lost once in a place where there was no water, and he heard their voices speaking all the night. But I said, I was once without water in a desert, and heard a city speaking to me, but knew not whether it really spoke to me or not, for on that day I heard so many terrible things, and only some of them were true. And the man with the black hair said, I believe it to be true though whither she went I know not. I only know that a shepherd found me in the morning, faint with hunger and cold, and carried me down here. And when I came to Andelsprutz, it was, as you have perceived it, dead. This has been a Podcastle Miniature. The Madness of Andersplitz was written by Lord Dunsany. To find out more about him, use Google. The story was narrated by Steve Anderson, and you can find him online or hire him for your own voiceover work at sgacreative.com. Thanks for listening.